I'd like to buy the world a home and furnish it with love. Grow apple trees and honeybees and snow white turtle doves. I'd like to teach the world to sing, sing with me. Welcome to this week's edition of More Than Marketing. I'm Rob Johnson. And I'm Rob Johnstone. Yes, so I am down in Louisville, Kentucky this weekend, and we're doing a whole series of podcasts. So for the first time on the show, Robert Johnstone, uh, who's also uh, co-owner of the Wayne Consulting Group, not confusing at all, is uh, is on the podcast. So what's going on, buddy? Uh, not much. Long day of work and finishing up school, so... Yeah, that's one of the more interesting dynamics of, of what we've been doing is you've been finishing up your BBA as a part of uh, not necessarily responsibilities from the Marine Corps, but basically as something that you had started. Uh, is that pretty yeah, much right? Yeah, I, I got out of my active duty position and, you know, decided that I wanted to achieve higher education, um, you know, both for professional and personal reasons. So, yeah, I got out and started going to school full time and. That's really what I've been doing with the, you know, with a mix of doing some Uber, some side jobs, and then uh, selling some newspaper advertising for a local paper. Um, you know, once I met up with you is when we really started hitting the ground on this. Yeah. Yeah, just to be clear, you're not still doing Uber. No. <laughs> that'd, no. Be, that'd be like a jack of Sometimes all I think about it, though. <laughs> I had a good time and a couple bad times, so yeah. but mostly good times. What was, was one of the worst it. times doing Uber? Uh, I mean, just to throw up in the car was pretty bad once. Uh, uh, what was it? A 72-minute ride with zero tip with just a guy who didn't talk and just looked at me like he just sat at the back of my head the whole time. So that was pretty bad. But 72 yeah. minutes. How much was that Uber? It wasn't even during peak time. That oh. was the worst part. So it was like a base price of like a dollar of you know, every five miles, so it wasn't even worth that much. And they make oh, anything sure. from it. So. That sucks. When I, uh, the first time I took an Uber, I was in Louisville. We were at T4G with uh, Rob Sass, actually. And it was a three-mile trip across the bridge from Indiana into Louisville. And it was like $38 because it was peak time yeah. and it was rush hour. So what made me hold on to it even longer when I first started doing it was like my first or second trip was during peak time. I think it was a Jason Aldean concert or something in Virginia Beach. And it was like 10 times the rate. And I like picked up this rich old couple, drove them, I think it was about 40 miles, and made, I think, 250 on the actual ride. And then they gave me a $100 tip. So, yeah, I made... So that taint, I never that made that you. much again. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't even make you. that much in a month after that. But... Yeah, they spoiled you. Uh, I know. All right, so on this episode, what I wanted to do was 
actually pull up some like the first piece of documentation we had as a as a business mm. you know we've been talking about in the first you know few episodes documenting what we've done i talked about clients that we lost and you know we did the podcast with uh, dcc on episode five actually interviewing a business we're gonna be doing more of that this weekend while i'm down here but what i wanted to do was pull up the very first email <coughs> i ever sent from rob at wayneconsulting.org and Interestingly enough, is as long as Outlook is accurate, which I'm I'm pretty sure this is the this is the first. Um, this was in January of this year, and it was with um, the first quote unquote cold call I ever made was to a computer consulting business, and the we, you and I were going back and forth doing a bunch of role playing, talking about pitches, and you know only finding companies that we could actually serve that actually had something demonstrably wrong with their website or Facebook strategy or Google strategy. So this was actually to uh, Thatch, and uh, and this was one of the more interesting clients we've had. This was the definition of the long game because it took probably five or six months to get in front of him from when we actually said, we're going to set a meeting in January. And he said, yes. And then he had uh, conflict after conflict with whether it was sales or out of town or client work, we had to reschedule and it took about five months to finally get in there. But once we did, uh, he saw the value in it. So this was basically just a meeting confirmation. But as I was looking at this more, you know, if I go like five emails up was our invoice to acts of kindness. And this is a great story, I think, and, and hopefully you disagree, but I think for us, one, we learned a bunch from this. And the second thing is it taught us a lot about expectations and goals and commitments as it relates to client service work. And a big thing that we, that we discussed was how much do we do for somebody before we um, basically before, uh, we're actually on the account. Mm -hmm. So what was your experience with this? How did this all come about? This was your lead. Did this we was... ever compute how much money we lost? <laughs> we did so not. I know. We did not. I don't think we lost that much in the grand scheme of things. Uh, um, we lost hours and hours do, are valuable. Do time. Yeah. Time, <laughs> time is the biggest thing. I remember one time. We lost a lot of time. Um, and this is something I forget what, what book it's in, but it's, um, Basically, uh, no, it was um, Jordan Belford's book, Way of the Wolf, yeah. where he's talking about like the three different tiers of interest where you have people that are basically tire kickers that just want to waste your time. You have people that are interested, but they need to be convinced to buy. And then you have people that are just ready to buy right now. This dude was definitely in that first tier where he was a tire kicker. He wanted to talk and there wasn't really a lot of, um, I guess, what you would call uh, – real interest in in what we were doing as far as coming on board as a client right well what i've discovered from him too is i, I wish i knew the classification of this is he he didn't necessarily want our insight either on most things it was he wanted to tell us what we should be doing but still have us basically do the work that he thought we needed to be doing even though he had a pretty big disconnect from you know, what is kind of going on in the modern realm of marketing and business. Yeah. So that kind of, I don't know, you know, we kept pushing for that and that should have been the first red flag right there. I was yeah. like, okay, well he doesn't actually seem he, every time we talk about something, he knows more about it. Yeah. 
that's the interesting thing is like when you're when you're a consulting firm or regardless of what you do when you hire somebody to come on and be a part of your team and you hire them as you know the quote-unquote expert it's really important to understand what like what the responsibilities are and, and what their expertise is like for us like we we hire uh, videography or videographers for consulting because neither you or I are a great videographer. We can both shoot videos, but when it comes to the editing editing portion, I can point my phone at something. Is yeah, like, well, we what both trying to say <laughs> well, we both have the setup and understanding well, yeah. experience of how to set up a shot and, and you know what's going to look good for the client. But when it comes to the actual editing, it makes sense if we just have people on our team that do it, mm-hmm. right? Like we can't do everything. It's like you don't edit podcasts, but I do. Like I don't I don't talk to our clients as much as you do like in a business you need to have those set up because if you try and do everything you're going to fail and it's going to be really bad so so for us like when you bring in somebody you want you should listen to that expert like when i work with like evan up in michigan it's like all right so do you think this is set up properly how i have this and he might say no let's adjust this I ask because he is the professional in this uh, circumstance, not me. He has more experience, so I always yield to the people that know more. With this individual, it was more of, like you said, where you have a, a, a situation where you're listening to uh, him tell you what you should be telling him. Yeah, It's, it's a reverse consulting kind of thing and it's really strange um and this went on for a long time and and really nothing came of it just more of our wasted time but at the end of the day i think we had some good takeaways from that of how not to bury yourself in a tire kicker or something like that for sure i mean it's a it was a mistake that we've made that we learned from and that's the best that can be taken of it because we learn from that right away how to, number one, set the expectations with our clients in the future. And number two, what we don't want with a client. Because yeah. he, he kind of embodied that. He embodied a lot of the traits that we, you know, don't make good working relationships. Yeah. A person who's, number one, he wants to be the voice of the project no matter what. He doesn't want to step back from anything. Um, and then number two, he was kind of a hothead too. It was very, very easy to set him off as well. Yep. And, you know, we've had that with another client as well, where <laughs> it was, it was night and day every single, you know, every other couple minutes. You didn't know who you were going to get. You didn't know who you were going to get and you weren't aware of what was going to set him off. And oftentimes it wasn't this, it, well, there was never anything really that serious to set him off. It was a, so it was a misunderstanding or, yeah. or him yelling at us for, he said he sent us out an email and then he's like, nope, it was in my outbox. It never made it out. Yeah. My bad. So we just, he just chewed our asses out and threatened to fire us over that. So yes. Yeah. yeah. For nothing. I mean, most of the time, like, and that's the thing, what, there's a company down here that, that we, I wouldn't say we modeled what we did after because we do something very different. But, but as far as their principles of client sourcing, they always say, you know, we only want to work with good clients, and they say that up front. And that's that's something that we've tried to embody as well because there are certain elements to a good client that we need to look at. And and you can't always judge temperament even in the first month, but you mm-hmm. you have a pretty good idea of who somebody is after you meet with them a few times. And you know, we've had you know that that particular this is a different one than we're talking about from the beginning, but someone who 
they, I think they, if I were to look a little bit deeper into their character, they brought their personal life to work and they took it out on whoever was in a subservient position to them, which since, since they write our check, that would be us, mm-hmm. you know, and, and with this first individual, it was hundred, I would say hundreds of hours between the two of us. Is that fair? It's hard to keep track if you're not keeping track of it. Yeah, I so. I think there's there's a lot. There's probably between the two of us, I'd probably say a hundred. I wouldn't say hundreds. That's a lot. Yeah. Maybe a hundred hours between the both probably. of us. Because um, I remember sometimes like six a.m. Saturday morning phone calls of like the same thing we talked about yesterday. Yeah, and it was all development. And then like when you you know like we should be getting paid for our work. Right. I mean, you can't, you know, no business exists without sales. So, you know, when we talked about an invoice, it's like, okay, well, well, we need to talk about that at our next meeting. We need to push that down the road. And it started to become clear that, like, this is not the relationship you want to be in. Mm-hmm. So it made you really upset because you were down here. This was in your, yeah, this was well, in your backyard. Yeah. I mean, I, had, I, you know, had to see him like in the first part before, you know, one, one day I just sent him the message, sent him the voicemail too. And I was like, we're done. Like, I'm sorry. It's, it's, it's nothing against you personally, even though it kind of was, but it's like, <laughs> it was I, we can't, yeah. it was, he, cause he like brought you, the personal into it. Yeah. You, you can't, you know, you don't have the position to pay us for our services and we're not accomplishing anything due to a number of other factors. And, you know, we don't really see this to be a good relationship right now. And it's time to, to you know, step away, step back. Yeah. You know, maybe we can readdress this in the future. But, you know, it still ended up him ignoring those messages and being like, yeah, you don't really mean that. You're going to work for me. Yeah, pressing so, on his business as usual, yeah. which is strange, right? I mean, that's strange. <laughs> there's no, I don't think there's any other way to put it. Is it's just, it's a, it's an awkward business dynamic that I think, I think you handled quite well, especially for how early on we were, because this was mm-hmm. kind of our first foray into marketing i think you know this was in the very beginning so um that was that was one of the emails and i thought it'd be kind of a good lesson for people especially when you're starting out like i know a lot of people give tips of like working for free or working for a discount but like you can't compromise on the types of people that you're going to work with you can't compromise on who you're going to be working with from a business perspective because if you start compromising on that then that can actually compromise your entire business for sure you can compromise on price. You can work for free up front to show your value if you want. I, I don't really lean in that camp because um, if, if you have talent, you should be paid for it. But I think that when it comes to the types of people that you work with, you you can't back down from that. Especially in our industry. I mean, we're not in the, you know, necessarily even all the way fully dipped into the service industry, if you want to call it. We're in relationship business. Like, right. That's the number one thing that we need to make clear whether that be a long-term or a short-term project that you know we have to develop a good relationship and in retrospect that's somebody i wouldn't have even wanted to do a month's worth of work for because just out of the very fact that you know if he did something wrong in the future he might just try to throw something against us yeah, you know, even it, even if it had nothing to do with us, because that's one thing he talked about. He sure liked to talk about his lawsuits that he yeah. that he threw against people, and that should have been another red flag right there. Yeah, for nothing. Yeah, this guy like sued everybody he's ever worked with in his life. So it's like, okay, well, 
Yeah, even in, even in the short term, is that the type of personality we want yeah. to work with? Is that type of relationship? Yeah, and that's mm-hmm. the interesting thing too, because when you look at us from a position of what we do, like organizational development and going into businesses that have problems and solving those problems is something we do. Sometimes those problems, I will actually, you know what, I will reverse that and say all the times the problems start with the leadership. It's the person that's running the company. So this is where we get into a really fine balance of really trying to assess personality and understanding that if someone has flaws that are reversible or flaws that will just take the company down. And I know even you know from if you're a really good-natured person, you can say like everybody, everybody can change, right? Everyone has the potential to change, but sometimes in business – People are so prideful or they are so controlling that you it, – it's its almost a lost cause for me. And that's where you have to understand, is it in that lost cause camp or is it in the position where they are um, – you know, they, they can be fixed with the right mentorship or the right leadership being brought in. And that's that's the decision that we need to make. Yeah, and it's a I, tough one. That doesn't necessarily, too, mean that, like, it's – even though it starts with the leadership, it's the problem isn't always their leadership either. It's you know sometimes it's a structural management thing. Yep. You know it was a good blend, and, and we step in and help them solve those problems. Or you know oftentimes we said this before, we sell time more than anything else for small businesses. Yeah. A, a lot of the time for some of those tasks that can't be easily managed unless they go back to school for those particular tasks, or they hire out you know to somebody full time who's going to just be not cost effective for the time being. Right. Right. So if, uh, if you were to give advice to a startup or to even a solopreneur, what, what do you think that would advice entail about your experience with that first foray into client services? As far as the interactions with said company? Yeah. Um, First off, I would set the expectations right away that we are a we're in business and by the nature of being business our goal is to make money. I mean there's that's that's really just how it works at the very mechanics of it. If we can't make money then we can't continue to do what we're doing and we can't provide services or value to anybody else. Right. If we're spending all of our time trying to work for the contract. So Right away, I would say, you know, create um, some type of structured deadlines of when a implementation is going to go in the process. Say, okay, well, let's have this meeting, um, you know, and if we decide, if we come into terms of a negotiation of what service would we can provide for you and what type of relationship we have, then on this date, we're going to correct our first part of the payment, the contract's going to be signed, and we're going to go to work. But, you know, right away, and it wasn't just him who we did that with. There were a lot of people up front who, you know, we lost a lot of time because we were so concerned about getting business in that we, you know, we cared less at the current moment. We cared less about who we were working with and more just making sure we had work to do. And sure. we, that, that really hurt us in the, in the short term because, you know, myself especially being the person who primarily pulls in the clients, I don't even want to add up the amount of time wasted on, you know, stuff that never actually turned into business. Yeah. Because probably lost a month's worth of work at this point. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And that's and that's a good thing too, is like it it 
it might hurt or seem like, oh, well, you really, you know, or we as a company really screwed up when, when we didn't, when we focused more on getting business and who we were working with. But that's, that's kind of the nature of the startup, right? You, mm-hmm. you have to figure out where the income's coming from. And especially like when you had said that, you know, the, at the end of the day, the goal is to make money. Absolutely. And for people that are maybe non-capitalist or they don't, they don't really think in those terms, like, you have to have money to keep the lights on and to keep payroll going. Okay. Like there's no endless supply of money or credit that can compensate for not having sales. And, and at the end of the day, like service is number one priority and, and the capital is always a byproduct of that. But you have to look at what's keeping things going. Right? We can't do the service without the capital. Yes, that's, exactly. That's, it's, I mean, it's a, it's a formula, yeah. you know, essentially. Like we, how do you expect to keep things running? I mean, how can you look at it this way? If, if you're a homeowner and you want to cook food, but you don't have any means of doing so, you don't have enough to, you know, money to heat your house or to turn the stove on, then you can't cook food and feed your family. Like right. It's kind of the same way. And us providing our services to people, you know, there there are some fixed and variable expenses in the background that we have to cover each month. Of course we do. Right. You know, so if we're not, if I'm... If I'm only talking to people with, and you're doing this too, is ever listening to this, if you're only talking to people in the hopes, like if you're spending too much time, you, you need to have a point where you're like, okay, this is the deadline for how long I can work with this person. And at this point, if they haven't, you know, if we haven't established a relationship and we haven't started working for pay, then we will set a follow up. Yep. So. Yeah, and that's and that's a big thing is is timelines and just time management, and that's mm-hmm. that's a big thing that I think we miss out on a lot. Um, so to wrap this up, I mean, as I said, like you're going to hear a lot of uh, this. Yes, we're going to go on my email first. Oh, he's got. <laughs> I got a good email because it brings up our second point, which kind of ties into okay. this. Um, for the first month, we um, maybe it was even longer than that. Um, we did our entire CRM, which is. Basically, for me, it's it's where I keep all of our clients, our contacts, and whoever it may be, we did it on an Excel file. And I thought I was pretty high-tech on some conditional formatting and stuff like that. I thought I could handle it that way. It wasn't even as good as Excel. It was Google Sheets. Yeah, it was Google Sheets. <laughs> very minimum. Very bad. We should have did it on Excel. Yeah. Um, at, but now we have a good... Um, I'm going to do a shout out to them because they're great. There's a great sales CRM called Pipe Drive. Yeah. Um, if you're in a smaller industry, more low volume like us um, at this current moment. Pipe Drive is an excellent, excellent CRM to look at. Um, they're not paying us or anything. I just, I, I thoroughly enjoy this particular company and they have great feedback. But anyways, um, one of the first emails I'm looking back, and I don't think this is my first email. I think it's the first one that I can pull up. Okay. Was to a property management group that yeah. was looking for a marketing team. Yeah, I talked about this. Yeah. yeah. You, you no, no, to, going to, I didn't okay. go into detail. I just mentioned it in passing. Yeah, it was a property management group that was looking for a, for a marketing team. Um, like right now. Yeah, like they, 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 were, they were in that hot category that I talked about first. Very hot category. I think they handle, if I were to pull them up, um, I'm just going to throw a number out there. I think they handle at least seven apartment complexes throughout Louisville. Um, yeah, I sent them a bunch of good information, didn't set a follow-up date, and then I didn't follow up. Yeah. I had them as a follow-up date in my CRM, but it got overpassed, like looked over completely. There's no notifications. 
Yeah. So it's just like a sea of you're hoping that the conditional formatting turned red in order for you to call. Uh huh. But and, that's and no. Then guarantees. all of a sudden I look, it's like, oh, that was supposed to happen about a month ago. It was a month. Okay. Yeah, and then I call them up. I'm like, hey, it's me. How you guys doing? They're like, oh, we're good. But uh, we we have another external marketing team handling our accounts, which probably. Yeah, that really sucks. That yeah. sucks a lot. But it's a good lesson learned just about, especially because we've noticed this, and this is kind of how we've been able to work so well with our company so far. And Robert, you mentioned this earlier, is we've been splitting up the responsibilities right. and recognizing that, you know, where where we best served with our personalities and our skills. And the sales side of things and the client side of things is really time consuming. And I have some experience with that. So that's what I bring to the table is I, I try to do those sales and it, it is time consuming and you need to have patterns set in place or you're wasting time and you're losing leads like I did. And that's a, it's a failure. It's a mistake on my part because I mean, that could have, that could have been a really, really big client with a great relationship and a great way to showcase our services early on. Yeah. But and now it's just a great story for us to tell you about our failure. That's about it. So follow uh, up people. You know, make sure you have a good sales cycle and process in place. And how much is pipe drive? Thirty bucks a seat. Thirty bucks a seat. Some, something yeah. So for so we could have had one account and just both managing it for thirty dollars. And and that's the thing too that you got to think about because like um, one of the employees that we had in, in the beginning, um, she had asked how much some of our software cost, and one of them was like I think one hundred and fifty a month. And she's like, "Wow, that's really expensive." And I'm like, "Well." No, it's it's not because the like, it can be like if you have to pay it like in your you know a single parent and like 150 is like the, the rest of your budget, but if you look at it in terms of what's the ROI on it, yeah. like this particular application helped us schedule ads for Facebook. So when you're looking at it from that's you know 60 70 percent of what we do, and this saves us so much more time that mm -hmm. we can reinvest into new clients or sales or you know new developments or the org dev program or whatever it is. These are all things that that benefit us, and it saves us time. So, um, so from that perspective, like we had to build the CRM in Google Sheets, right? We, you had to put the conditional formatting in. Yeah, all of that time was taken away from new sales when we could have just spent thirty dollars in the beginning. Which is my, I think that's my fault because you mentioned it in the beginning. I said no, we can just do it. We can do this like super minimalist, and it's like no, stupid. Like this is something we really needed. So. Yeah, is making your own Excel file really minimalist? Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, <laughs> not really. But, but yeah, and the other thing too, like with all of our applications, like we we pretty much do a good thorough break even analysis of it, and we already know like that app that Rob was talking about. I mean, we've paid that off for what the next two years, like oh, pretty early on. So yeah, you know, and that's and that's the thing. Like in, in grand numbers, let's say you're running your first marketing company right and you say i want to get a client at a thousand bucks a month and let's say you're a one-man band and you're going to spend two hundred dollars on software uh, a month so that's a twelve thousand dollar a month or a year client and you're paying twenty four hundred a month in cost well that's a pretty good roi on that software that's keeping <clears throat> that client on board then you have to do the math of as I accumulate more clients, do I need to expand this software? Do I need to add more software? Like, do I need to add more analytics and reporting? And you just have to do the math. Is this tool going to be of benefit for you? And in the last episode, episode six, I talked about running a minimalist business and what that looks like. 
and those and I mentioned having a few tools and some uh, key efficiencies. But if you don't have those, and if you haven't done that ROI, then you could just be paying for software that you never use and stays on your on your budget sheet for years to come, and it's just costing you money. And sadly, that's what we see in a lot of businesses when we go on an audit. We say, well, what's this tool for? Well, we bought it three years ago. Well, it's $1,500 a year you're spending on that. So you've spent almost $5,000 on a tool you don't use, and they just never knew it because they're so busy doing what they do well, they don't look at you know the top-to-bottom budget. So, Yeah, we're constantly – we look at all of our – I guess you could call them assets in a sense. We look at that monthly and be like, you know, figure out, do we need this right now? Have we used this to its fullest potential? Yeah. Okay, well, let's just, you know, pause it. Pause this subscription, pause this service until, you know, it's actually needed again. Like heat mapping tool is a good way of looking at it. We don't yeah. always need that. Right. But we'll certainly pay for a month of services if we know that it's going to make us money. Yeah. Yep. Um, if it's going to make us money yeah. and if it's going to give us good data on yeah, what absolutely. the client's doing, like that's that's a huge, like is it going to is it going to generate revenue for both sides of the table? Yeah. And sometimes sometimes it's a one way shot too because it's like is it going to value the client and not us? Like we might not get an ROI on the tool, but the client will. And that might help mm-hmm. keep our contract going longer. For sure. You know, so it's, you just have to look at all sides of it. And on the next episode, what we're going to do um, on the next recording is talk about one of the applications that we bought that was like $6,000. And they screwed us big time. So um, so we'll talk about that on the next episode. So anything, anything else to wrap up? Nope. Um, opening up an office soon in Louisville. It's very exciting times. I'm looking yeah. forward to you know, bringing some people in here. And if you're in the area, hit us up. Yeah. So that's going to be, this episode is going up. Uh, this is, uh, October 25th. And I think the office is set to open November 1st. We'll probably do that ribbon cutting thing with the chamber sometime in mid November. Right. Depending on if we actually have anything to put in there or not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Might be sitting Indian style on the floor for a bit, but that's going to be a super minimalist office for so. sure. It's going to be like a MacBook and a plant that was <laughs> yeah. just left behind. So. Yeah, dead succulent. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Um, so that'll wrap up. Uh, I think this is number seven for uh, More Than Marketing. Like I said, we're going to be recording all weekend with clients and new business owners and just getting different perspectives. And also I have a couple archive episodes from the old Rob Talks Money Show that I'm going to pull in as well for different interviews that we've done. So appreciate you guys listening. Hope you have a great week. Take care.